It's just that you have no idea how much better you will feel once you do it. Everyone says to me, I, I didn't realize how much real estate my thoughts and my fears around estate planning was taking up. And I have people literally skip out of my office. I have people who send me thank you notes afterwards because it's something that we all feel like we should have. The majority of us don't have it. And it's just a good thing to do for yourself and for others. Does talking about your money make you cringe? Are you tired of fighting about finances? Do you want to stop sabotaging your financial happiness? Then you are in the right place. Welcome to Breaking Money Silence, a podcast series aimed at helping all of us talk more openly about money. Your host, Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, is a wealth psychology expert who is doing what she does best, speaking about taboo topics. International speaker, author, and founder of KBK Wealth Connection, Kathleen understands money and our relationship with it. Over the past decade, she has empowered thousands of people to break money silence at home and at work. Now, here is Kathleen. This episode is sponsored by Life Transitions by Dr. Amy. Helping financial advisors and their clients have deeper, more meaningful conversations so that life changes are better connected to financial plans. To find out more, visit dramy.life. Today, we are going to be talking about estate planning for LGBTQ plus members of the community. And I'm so excited to have Deborah Danger. I call her Deb Danger, as most people do, from Danger Law. She is going to be talking to us about what are the special considerations as you age if you are a member of the LGBTQ community. And so I thought this was a really important topic to cover. Now, let me tell you a quick uh, little tidbit or two about Deb before we start officially. Uh, Deb Danger is an estate and estate tax planning attorney. She practices in Massachusetts. I met Deb through an organization called Provisors and have had a great time getting to know her. Uh, she has a great sense of humor, and she actually discounts her fee by 5% for any and all clients that make her laugh. And trust me, uh, she has a good sense of humor and she uh, laughs a lot. So Deb, welcome to the Breaking Money Silence podcast. Thank you very much. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you for two reasons. One is I know you from this Provisors group. Uh, I'll put a link into Provisors in the show notes. And I haven't had enough time to really understand and you know, be able to uh, pick your brain about your wisdom about estate planning. So before we even get into your expertise, everybody asks about your name. So I'm going to ask about your name. Is Deb Danger your real name? And if so, tell me a little bit about this family name, because it's so curious and such a great name for a law practice. So it is my real name, but it's <laughs> not my birth name. So because I'm a member of the LGBTQ plus community back in like the 80s and 90s when it wasn't cool, I'm estranged from my family. So I really have no connection with them whatsoever. But my life partner at the time was uh, also in the 90s, a thing that was very popular was young people got breast cancer. And so while I was working a full-time job, trying to live my life and trying to take care of her and coordinate all of the appointments she had at the cancer treatment center, um, she dubbed me Debbie Danger. 
And as she got less capable, she spent her time making me, she was a pot, she was an artist. So she made me a mug. She made me a cereal bowl. She designed a coat of arms. And so she died sadly before marriage was legal. And so um, I was very sad and didn't know what to do next, but I decided I would go to law school because one of the lessons she taught me was if you want to do it, like get on it, don't put it off. So I went to law school in my 40s and going to law school takes a long time to get a plot, like LSATs, apply, et cetera. And so during that time, I also petitioned the court because we couldn't get married, partly because she was dead, but partly because same sex marriage wasn't legal. I petitioned the court to change my name to Debbie Danger. So, um, I got the judgment the very first day of law school. So like everybody else was roaming the halls, going front to front of the classroom. I went right to the registrar and I changed my name to Debbie Danger. And so now anytime anyone calls me Deb Danger, I think of my former partner who inspired so many things that I've become. Oh, you know, what a great way to honor her. I'm, you know, sad, obviously, that she lost her battle to breast cancer, but I didn't know that story. And I just, as you know, because I tell you this all the time, love the name Deb Danger. So what a great way to honor her and to, um, you know, honor her memory. And and in some ways, what we're talking about today, I don't know, uh, it may have been inspired by some of the experiences you two had. Um, so today- Yeah, today we're talking about aging. And so I don't know whether to call this series Aging Gracefully or, you know, Healthy Aging or whatever, but aging is complicated. And so I know it can be even more complicated for members of your community. So what do people need to keep in mind that are listening in that are in uh, gay relationships Uh, What do they need to keep in mind uh, in terms of estate planning? And and is it similar or is it different than, say, someone like myself who is in a heterosexual relationship? Oh, gosh, that's such a big question. question. Right. The answer is (laughs) yes. Um, The answer is 42, if you have ever read Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. So the answer is, in some ways, it's the same. This is a person that you love. You're going to spend the rest of your life with. You want this person to make your healthcare decisions for you when you can't. You want this person to step in your shoes and continue your affairs when you're incapacitated. You want this person to benefit from all that you've amassed as far as your estate. Maybe you have a family and children or pets or a community of friends, and you want that person to still access those people, have relationship with those people. So the wishes are no different. It gets tricky as to how easy it is to fulfill those wishes. And so whether you are a member of this community of which we're speaking or you're not, documenting your wishes is important. Even if all you do is write them down. If you write them down, we can't enforce them. But if you write them down, that's a good start. Now you've taken that first scary step towards estate planning. Who's gonna make those wishes? What are those wishes? And if you're a member of the LGBTQ plus community, estate planning is a contract that will prevent others, or at least make it more difficult for others to challenge and override your wishes. So for example, if you're filling out a health, if, if you were to fill out a healthcare proxy and you 
had a spouse, you had a husband, and you said, I want my husband to make healthcare decisions for me. No one would even question it. If I wanted my wife to make my healthcare decisions and my family swooped in and said, like, and let's say I was like flying over a state that's not particularly friendly to my community and I fell out. So I got hurt because I fell into a state that doesn't necessarily honor wishes um, and honor my marriage, they, my family could swoop in and say, look, this person is, let's just call her a legal stranger, right? Because we're not, we're going to disrespect their marriage because we can, because of the Dobbs decision. And we are blood. So we would like to make this person's decisions because we don't respect their marriage. If instead I prepare a healthcare proxy that says, I would like my wife to make my healthcare decisions for me. And I have considered every other person that I've met and that I anticipate meeting. And I still pick this person, not because she's my wife, but because she's the person I picked. I'm not saying that's gonna work, but I am saying that's a pretty big speed bump to overcome. So there are tweaks that I put in documents that make them a little more robust than I would for you and your opposite sex spouse. Wow. So that's a, I mean, it's a great example. It's also incredibly sad and frustrating that we're still at this place in our society where we're not accepting people of different backgrounds, different sexual orientations. It just, it frustrates me. Um, I'm sure it frustrates you as well. And with the recent uh, repeal of Roe versus Wade, which my head just explodes thinking how that could even happen, I'm wondering what the implications might be for someone who is doing estate planning, you know, with you that comes from this community, if any. You mean in in light of the new Supreme Court decision on abortion? Yes. Yes. I didn't know if that had any impact on estate planning, you know, and maybe it's for all communities, but if it had a particular impact uh, for uh, gay couples, you know, who are trying to adopt or protect their family. I, I just, I didn't know if that particular legislation had any impact, or I know that there, it's kind of a sign of the future, which is scary as well. Yeah, that's, I think that's really it. It, it I will say ever since that decision was published, I have gotten a lot of inquiries. I We are now scheduling people well into September because just from this community, because I've gotten so many emails from people that say, in light of this decision, I would like to now document my wishes because I can't rely on the rights of marriage. I would like to. So, so here's another thing. So I have a colleague at work and she and her wife have chosen a donor from a cryo bank, a sperm donor, and they fertilized the person that's not my colleague, her wife's egg, and they inserted it into my colleague's womb. And so she's carrying a baby. Yay. I'm wrong. Yay. Happy for her. Yeah, that's so exciting. That is a miracle. I'm super happy. She's feeling so optimistic after the pandemic. The trick is, is she is not the biological mother. So kind of like Phoebe in Friends, <laughs> yeah. when she gives birth to that baby, she's going to have to adopt it. Sit with you just for a moment because that's it's not her baby. She has no rights to that baby. Now, 
in Massachusetts, if a child is, is given birth within a marriage, and that's the case for these two people, then Massachusetts presumes that that is a child of the marriage and therefore they are both parents of this child. They both have parental rights in Massachusetts. If you were, let's go to that state that I fell out of, fell into from my plane that I was flying over, um, they may not recognize that child as that, that birth parent of having rights because there's no biological connection. So that parent has to adopt a child. So is it safer, no matter what state you live in, to make sure that you're adopting the child and having the yes. paperwork just so because it's, it's you don't know? Right. It's called a confirmatory adoption. And we do it quite right. That's another thing that that since this new Supreme Court decision um, has increased, everyone feels like, oh, my gosh, I can't rely on the, the, the laws of the state in which I'm in because now this is becoming just in the same way as, so here's something interesting I find is interesting, was that back in 2000, oh gosh, I think it was 2006, when Massachusetts Supreme Court acknowledged and recognized and created same-sex marriage. It was like a booming um, tourism industry where people from other states that didn't acknowledge same-sex marriage would come here and go to Provincetown and you know other places, um, Northampton, and they would get married because they could hooray of all of the states massachusetts is a state where we can get married let's go let's get married this is so wonderful and then they would go back to the state that doesn't recognize their marriage and like many marriages about a third it wouldn't work out well we want to get divorced okay let's go get divorced well what i can't get divorced because my state doesn't recognize my marriage so now i have to Established residency in Massachusetts, even though I live in this other state that's very far away, in order to get divorced, well, I'm not going to do that. Let's, you know what? Let's just break up. Let's just break up. Our, our marriage isn't recognized. You do your thing. I'll do my thing. We'll split the checking account. Go on your way. Then comes the Windsor decision. Then come some other decisions that creates same-sex marriage all across the country, and and these lesbians and gay men who got married in Massachusetts and separated, now they're bigamists because now their marriage is recognized, but they're not still in it. And, and maybe they've gone on to meet other people and without getting oh, it's just like kind of a mess. So, what a mess. So, so basically those folks would have to get divorced, even though they had an understanding that they were already divorced in well, the state that didn't originally they didn't recognize they weren't divorced they just knew that their state didn't recognize the marriage right right okay i'm sorry to so so wow everything is so much more complex and and what my concerns are is that you know we're totally moving in the wrong direction currently and i don't you know it's hard to not to get political on breaking money silence because i feel strongly about all of this um but I think, you know, in order to inspire our listeners, in order to think about what can you proactively do in this very troubling environment, what I want to do after the break, Deb, is I really want to talk about kind of what are some of the common mistakes? What are some of the things that people can proactively do knowing that the environment is uncertain? So we'll be back in just a moment with Debbie Danger from Danger Law talking about aging as a member of the LGBTQ community. 
Hey, this is Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, and I am starting a new masterclass, Negotiate Your Fees with Confidence. It is starting this fall, and I want you to think about joining me. Uh, is a group of eight wonderful women that will get together to discuss how they can ask and get paid with their worth. So if you're somebody who works hard, accomplishes a lot, but still struggles to ask for a raise or to charge your clients what you know you deserve, this course is for you. We'll talk about pricing. We'll talk about negotiation strategy. We'll look into your negotiation mindset and I'll help you make peace with money. The best part about this class is that you are part of a community of powerful women looking to support each other. Trust me, I've done this course several times and people walk away feeling more at ease talking about money and having the tools that they need to negotiate, to price their services, to ask for what they're worth and to no longer live in fear when they need to negotiate their fee. Check it out at breakingmoneysilence.com backslash negotiating hyphen masterclass. I'll also put the link in the show notes. So ping me if you're interested or sign up today. We are back with Deb Danger. She's from Danger Law and we are having a enlightening and also somewhat troubling, but soon to be a tactical conversation about what do you do if you are aging and you're a member of the LGBT community around estate planning and around the things that you need to be aware of, given the fact that it is complicated, uh, both politically and legally for people who are in gay marriages, gay relationships, or just gay in general. So um, Deb, what I would like to do is talk a little bit about kind of what are the common mistakes that you see gay clients, whether they're in a relationship or not, uh, make when it comes to estate planning. Um, let's start with the common mistakes and then how you can avoid them so we can leave people with some tactical information. All right. First mistake is they, they don't do one. Yep. And, and let's just hinge off of what we were talking about. So the way that you can counteract this political climate or this legal kind of tightening that's happening is express your wishes. Every citizen of the United States has the right to contract. So if you are aging and you're not married and you're not gay, or you might be gay, who knows? If you have wishes, write them down. I want this person to make my health care decisions for me when I can't. If I am, this is, so, so if, if I am in a coma and I have uh, no chance and I'm intubated and I'm being artificially hydrated and artificially fed, I, here's my instruction to my healthcare proxy. If you put on any song by the band ABBA and I don't immediately sit up and say, turn that crap off, then you can unplug me because clearly I've lost my will to live because I love to make fun of ABBA. So <laughs> leaving those directives ahead, like behind is super helpful to people. Whether you are married or single, as you age, the chance that you will, someone will have to make these decisions for you gets significantly greater. Same thing with the continuity of your affairs. If you're going to be in that situation and you're going to come back, someone should be designated and given authority to pay your bills, file your taxes, maybe file a lawsuit. If you got here through some kind of unjust means, you're in a car accident and someone should be held accountable. That's what a, a durable power of attorney is. It's called durable because you only have to do it once. If you sign it, 
and you lose capacity the second after you sign it, it endures for your whole life. Now you've appointed someone to step in your shoes to transact your affairs, transact business for you. I suggest you name an alternate just in case the primary person you've named either dies or loses capacity, maybe goes to prison. Who knows? Like there could be any reason why that person can no longer serve. So having a backup makes sense. And then finally, let's think about, gee, I just checked today. I can tell you this is hot off the press. Um, the mortality rate continues to be 100%. So we were all going to need a will sooner or later. Yes. I recommend that we all do it sooner and we capture our wishes. I would like these people to get these things. I would like these charities to get this amount of money. I would like these people to be guardians and conservators of my children and make sure that they grow up if I'm not able to complete those tasks. I know it's asking a lot because I'm asking people to imagine the world without them in it. But unless you do, your legacy will be one of preventable anger, confusion, and stress. But if you could just dwell there for a few minutes so we can put some documents in place and document your wishes, your legacy will be of thoughtful, caring, and love. Well, and I, I not only do I think estate planning is important, I also was raised with a father who gave us the gift of estate planning. Mm-hmm. And even when you do a really great job, there are still conversations that you need to have. There are still complications. But in general, knowing that and I've done this for myself, my husband's done this as well, knowing that you have a, you know, power of attorney for finances, a healthcare proxy, and you have a will or a trust, whatever the case may be. Oddly, even though it's an easy task to put off, it really gives you a sense of, oh, I'm good. I've given this gift to the next generation, whatever that next generation may be. You know, we don't have kids. So our next generation are our two nephews and my niece. But I really, you know, encourage people to meet with folks like Deb Danger and to do these documents because it is not only in some ways the way you framed it, Deb, a political act, it's also a way of um, really taking care of the next generation. Now, I realize for people who are estranged from their family, and you know, there are people certainly who are not gay who are estranged from their family, but if you are estranged from your family, and you have a family of choice, is there anything else you need to be thinking about in terms of estate planning to make sure that your wishes are protected? There's really not that much difference between LGBTQ and straight people, except straight people can rely on the rights of marriage because that's one of the things that's being threatened. If you are estranged from your family, if you are not married, if you are just dating someone that you care about tremendously, leaving a list of all your assets is helpful. Leaving a list of all your account numbers, you know, imagine I'm in that coma waiting for ABBA to be played and so I can object to it. Um, someone's got to pay my water bill. Yeah. And guess what? My water bill account number is never going to change. So all I need to do is put that in a folder once because it's always going to be that number, the parcel of my real estate. My passport only needs to be updated every 10 years. Hopefully my marriage certificate never has to be updated. Hopefully my banking information, maybe it's always the same. Maybe it's not, you know, passwords on a computer, are a completely different thing, but I, I have a business. So making sure that my employees know where things are, if I fall off a cliff to keep the business to continue, that's why I'm saying it's a legacy of kind of thoughtful preparation and love. Everyone we will probably be incapacitated. 
I'm not, I don't really care so much about when you die because winding up your affairs is a much more neutral thing, although a sad thing, than managing your affairs. So if you have a family of choice or a family that you're, you hang out with every Sunday, putting things down of the, this is my business interest. This is my stock portfolio. This is my financial planner. This is my CPA. This is my veterinarian. This is like, there's, this is a list of my, my common meds that I was on two years ago and I should update it every now and then just think about that. Think about questions you would want to ask someone if you were going to step in your shoes. And those are the questions you should answer when you expect someone to step in your shoes. Yeah, you know what you made me think of? I have a colleague, um, Gwen Morgan, who wrote a book called The What If Workbook, and it helps take you through that process. We'll put the link in the show notes, but there's other softwares that do it or just doing it the old fashioned way uh, is the way, you know, paper and pen can be helpful. Because this is breaking money silence and because I specialize in helping individuals, couples and families have difficult money conversations, even if they become challenging. I'm wondering, um, as we kind of wind down the podcast today, if you have any advice for how to start these conversations? Because I think that is another piece beyond the actual documents and writing things down that trips people up. So there's two types of conversations I recommend people have. I get lots of calls from people that say, my parents are 112. I have no idea whether they have estate planning and they won't listen to me. Right. So lead by example. It's much less offensive if you say to your folks, gee, you know, I just did my estate planning and I learned a lot. I wanted to ask you a couple questions about what the experience is like for you. And if they've never done it, then maybe that's an easier way to tell you than I'm so, what, like, what about me? What am I going to do if you fall and I can't pay your bills? Like, that's a very different conversation. So I always find people are a little more receptive if they've done it themselves before they start inquiring from other people. I love the that. Other, the other thing to think about is documents only get you so far. If they got you all the way, there'd be no judges. But that's, we, we have like some, we have four pages of a document and then everyone has to guess what you meant to say. It's so much better if you follow up your estate plan with either a letter that you write people because a will really is a last letter. It's, it's a terrible last letter. So if you wrote a letter and she said, you know, I just finished my estate plan. I can't believe how much better I feel. I just want to tell you what I'm thinking and feeling right now. If you don't think that's a great gift to give to someone better than all of your dollars and all of your jewelry, like I would love it if every person dwelled in that space a little bit longer and wrote a letter and managed what it was like if someone was finally opening that letter. But the other thing is tell people your wishes. I have a husband and wife who are very happily married and have two sons that they love equally. But in their estate plan, they insisted on giving one son 60% and one son 40%. Well, to me, that's, the, that's a symptom of a dysfunctional family. And I was like, what's up with that? What's going on? Well, it turns out that 60% went to public high school and a state college and 40% went to a private high school and a very expensive private college. And the, the parents have always felt badly about that discrepancy. So they thought they would just fix it in their estate plan by leaving public education more money than private education. Well, that's lovely, but please tell them that. Please talk yes. to your sons and explain why one son is money equals love, is getting more love than the other son, because that's a perfectly plausible and wonderful idea. And so telling those kids that 
that message coming from you gives them a chance to ask a question, to get the backstory, and to really understand the context that's going to be completely absent at the reading of the will. That's such a great example because a lot of what I coach clients on uh, in terms of having these conversations is when things are really about being equitable, not necessarily fair, but equitable, mm. um, that the conversation is really key because they could have a lot of hard feelings or they could, you know, at some point completely understand, oh, that's why mom and dad did this, or that's why my parents did this. So I think that's really, really key. So I could talk to you forever, as you know, but we need to wind down. I'm wondering if there's one piece of advice you'd like to leave our listeners with today about estate planning. It's just that you have no idea how much better you will feel once you do it. Everyone says to me, I, I didn't realize how much real estate, my thoughts and my fears around estate planning was taking up. And I have people literally skip out of my office. I have people who send me thank you notes afterwards because it's something that we all feel like we should have. The majority of us don't have it. And it's just a good thing to do for yourself and for others. Yeah. So where can people find out more about you? Because I'm sure there's some people that may have some questions for you directly, or I know you have a very strong network as well of people that you could refer them to. So tell us a little bit about Danger Law and how to get in contact with you. So my website is cleverly named dangerlaw.com. <laughs> and uh, I've been told that if you go to the website, you instantly know that it's uh, it's a company that's run by a lesbian. So I leave it to your listeners to go and figure out what the subliminal messages are. <laughs> and uh, from there, you can reach out on the contact form or you can send me an email. Again, my email cleverly is Deborah at dangerlaw.com. And as you said, I give a 5% discount to anyone who makes me laugh. I love to laugh. So feel free to get in touch with any follow-up questions or any tidbits. I love to learn. So pass anything along that you think I might need to know. Awesome. Well, it's always fun breaking money silence with you. So thank you for making this topic accessible and understandable. And I always love chatting and learning from you. Thanks. Same here. Thank you, Catherine. This episode is sponsored by Life Transitions by Dr. Amy. Helping financial advisors and their clients have deeper, more meaningful conversations so that life changes are better connected to financial plans. To find out more, visit dramy.life. Thank you for listening to Breaking Money Silence, hosted by Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, a wealth psychology expert, author, and founder of KBK Wealth Connection. If you like what you heard today, be sure to subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app and leave a review. Also, share this episode with your friends and family. It is a great way to get the conversation started. For more money talk tips and information or to hire Kathleen to speak at your next event, go to www.breakingmoneysilence.com.